It is another week, an episode in Puckopolis. Glad you're with us here on CyclonesHockey.com. I'm Nick Brunker, voice of the Cyclones, along with the head coach of the team, Jared Scaldi, as we have a lot to talk about. It's been quite a while since we've had a chance to sit down for, for one reason or another. So we'll, I guess, break down the Stanley Cup Finals first, as it, it has kind of been a theme in this year's playoff run for, for both the Eastern and the Western Conference teams. It's kind of fitting that the finals, Lord Stanley's Cup, will be hoisted after one of those teams picks up a Game 7 victory. What a great series it's been. Uh, it's been terrific. It's had absolutely everything. There's a lot of drama involved, uh, from how physical it was to the, the you know Boston blowing them out at home in the close games in Vancouver. So this series has been absolutely terrific. And anytime you can go to a Game Seven to decide the Stanley Cup, I think this is uh, this is a really really exciting moment. You think about back to that eight-one game. Would you have ever expected? And it's been uh, exactly 15 years since its last happened in the Stanley Cup Finals, where a team has won eight to one by that much of a margin. Would you have ever expected? Roberto Luongo to be the one that was involved in that game on the bad end. No, I mean you don't anticipate that, but you know one of the one of the best goalies in the world, and um, you know he's had his uh, struggles, he's had his criticism at time, but uh, you know he's still uh, you know one of the one of the top goalies uh, in the National Hockey League. So um, you know I was impressed how he bounced back after that eight um, one uh, defeat, and uh, you know come back to Vancouver and have a have a night like he did, and. Uh, um, now it'll be interesting to see how he responds after Game Six, getting pulled, and um, you know going into Game Seven back in Vancouver. So there's really no, uh, I mean, besides a home ice advantage, which y you know you, you you hope to use uh, use it in your favor, but to see it so lopsided in favor of the Boston Bruins, especially in, in at the at their building, and then uh, um, just sets up for a great Game Seven here. Uh, the question that I had that I think a lot of people have, have been kind of mulling over, you read some of the blogs, you read some of the uh, the articles, and it's regarding uh, a couple of hits in particular, uh, one with Alexander Burroughs, another one last night, uh, an additional one that is going to cause uh, another one of the Vancouver Canucks to be out for the playoffs. Uh, is it a situation where I guess we can go back to the first hit, the one that uh, that was delivered? I believe it was in game number three, if I if I'm not mistaken. It was the first one in Boston, and it was a headshot. At least that was the discussion. And my question is to you: Did you believe it was a headshot in a sense that that he was doing it intentionally to injure? Or was it just kind of an over-glorified hit that this is basically what, what this game is about? Oh, you know, absolutely. I think you need to curb some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I didn't think it was worthy of a four-game suspension. If anything, I thought it was a little late. And, uh, you know, he jumped a little bit. I don't think there's any really intent to injure. Um, I think the one thing that, 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 that people miss on that side, too, is the fact that, you know, the, the player with the puck has to protect himself also. It seems that every time there's a... A uh, hit like this, uh, all the all the responsibility goes on to the guy, um, you know, doing the hit, making the hit. But uh, you know, I think uh, you're taught to play hockey a long time ago. You're taught to protect yourself. And if you look at that play, Nathan Horton is is making a pass from the center of the ice to his left, and he's not even uh, there's no sense of urgency in his part to protect himself. I mean, that's a dangerous part of the ice, and uh, I I think that's the one thing that that is frustrating is that. You see a lot of these hits, but the, the the player that gets injured a lot of times is not not in position to protect himself. He's not he's put himself in a vulnerable position. And I know when I started playing, it was one thing that that, that you talked about was you know protect yourself. You don't put yourself in vulnerable positions. It does happen, but um, a lot of these times, I Horton had no. He was just following his pass. He he made a good pass, and he was following this pass. And Rome stepped up and gave him a good good lick. But um, you know, I don't think four. I think four games a little harsh. But 
you know, that's a tough, tough decision on the NHL's part. It's kind of cool to watch, too. You talk about the physicality and whether or not you agree with uh, with what Jared just said. And, and certainly you can have your opinion one way or the other uh, without any judgment on my part. But but you think about the physicality of this series and the chippiness that it has, has exemplified. You hear the back and forth between Luongo and Tim Thomas, who's having himself an historically good series uh, as a goaltender. And then you look at the other side of the coin, which is, well, it, it's it's less about the skill and more about the chippiness it, it, my opinion has always been uh, let them play, and that's what they've done. Uh, it's been a series full of physicality and intensity. Yeah, I think they're letting the, the important part of, of the game happen. They're letting it be physical. Any of the cheap stuff they're, they're calling, and, uh, you know, when you're tripped up in a scoring opportunity, obviously you've got to call that stuff. But I, I'm, I'm happy the way they're letting it go. This is exciting hockey. I mean, it's physical, and uh, Boston Bruins have a game plan, and their game plan is to be physical and to take away time and space from the from the Sedin twins and, and Burroughs and players like that. And they're doing a great job with it. And you looked when Vancouver got physical in game uh, – Game five back in uh, Vancouver, uh, you know, that was a difference in that game. Vancouver came out with a lot of jump and, and finishing all their checks to a man. All their, even their skill guys were finishing checks and it opened up ice for the Sedins and uh, some other guys. So, uh, you know, hockey's a physical sport and, and when you can get 20 guys all on the same page uh, uh, committing to finishing their checks, it's amazing uh, what, what a momentum swing that can be. Okay, the pressure is on tonight or tomorrow night, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Game seven in Vancouver. Roberto Luongo, a gold medal winning goaltender, certainly a a guy who has a significant amount of pride in himself and, and has grown his, his career over the years and has really become probably the premier goaltender in the NHL. At least that was the, the, the bidding on him coming into this Stanley Cup Finals. Who wins Game 7? Well, it's definitely a tough call. I mean, just the way things are going. But I, I think Luongo is going to come out and have a heck of a game. I think he's really going to... Um, you know, rebound from from Game Six, and I think the Vancouver Canucks are uh, are going to win the Stanley Cup. I think. Uh uh, I hope it goes in overtime. I hope there's some more drama to the series because it's been such a great series and a great playoff. You hate to see it end on Wednesday night, but uh, if we can get a few extra minutes or a few extra periods in, I think that'd be great. Well, I'd hope if it goes to overtime, you have a little more of a, of a climactic goal than you had when the Chicago Blackhawks took home the cup in overtime. That that uh, the goal, just you think back to that, you watch highlights, that didn't feel like a, a Stanley Cup winning goal. You'd hope it'd be better than that. You know, I remember watching that game, and I remember thinking, Patty Kane's the only one that think it, thought it went in. I mean, no, nobody in the building or nobody else knew it went in but patty kane was 100 percent sure and now looking back a year later when they do those uh you know history um you know it follows a leader and all that and you, it's so funny to watch all the blackhawk players at one end but they're all looking down at the referee to make sure they actually did win the cup their gloves are off they all got smiles but they're uh, there's got about 10 heads turning up ice looking to make sure that it did count so i think that was a great moment it's one of those odd Goals uh, was was like you said, Nick, very anticlimactic. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Patty Kane was a, a thousand percent sure that puck went in, and he celebrated uh, uh, definitely like it did go in. Switching gears a little bit now, the the bigger news, uh, if it, there is such a thing at this time of year when it comes to hockey, is surrounding the Winnipeg. Could be Jets, could be something else. We don't know yet, but uh, a lot of the the question marks that was this team going to to survive? Is this team going to to have the backing it needs to become uh, a stable franchise again? As they uh, have basically put that drive to thirteen thousand fans for season tickets in place when they announced the team, it basically sold out in a matter of minutes. And I guess it's it's good in the sense that. You have a team that is coming back to a city that has been uh, missing its its franchise for so many years. And now, I think for any of the critics that were out there thinking that 
this isn't going to work. This is this is a bad move on the NHL's part. Uh, maybe silenced at least for now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I, I would imagine there was uh, not not as many critics out there. I mean, I think uh, this is a a town that was very proud of their their Winnipeg Jets and and their National Hockey League team. And I think they've been trying since the day uh, the day they left. Uh, that group there has been trying to get a National Hockey League team back. And uh, it's great to see them uh, get rewarded. And, uh, you know, you knew the fans, the excitement, everything was going to be there. I don't think, uh, or maybe I'm not sure if they expected to sell out in four minutes. But, uh, uh, you know, I think they knew what they were doing when they put the 13,000 season tickets. And that's a commitment for three to five years. That's not just for this next upcoming season. So, um, I, I think it's absolutely terrific. I, it's a it, it's a little sad to see the the Thrashers go. An organization that I was fortunate to play for, uh, you know, a team built from scratch by Don Waddell, and you know, unfortunately, they did have some limited success there. But uh, nonetheless, uh, a little surprised at how quickly it just went away. Um, you know, you don't see too many sports franchises just sort of up and leave without any kind of fight from either the, a city or a league or a board of governors. And it was pretty amazing how. Uh, uh, their focus changed to Atlanta once Phoenix uh, was going to be staying down there, and it just seemed a matter of days before Atlanta was out of there without any fight from anybody. Well, it's amazing, too. You go back to your playing days, and it's not like it's going completely back that way, but it, you have a team that used to be in Winnipeg that, that wasn't, and now they are again. And, and then, of course, with Manitoba having an American League hockey team in that city at the MTS Center now having to vacate, they're going back to a place that was hockey rich for a time in the American Hockey League when you were playing there. So, and we were speaking, of course, of, of St. John's, where the Manitoba Moose are now going to be to be moved to uh, to play AHL hockey next season. It's kind of funny. You look back on your playing career and you remember some of the teams you played for or against, and St. John's being one of those. And and here we are. They're back again. Yeah, I think it's great. It's uh, it's such a great hockey place. They've got a beautiful facility there that I believe the Leafs only played in there for one season before they they moved them to the Toronto Marlies and. Um, no, it's great to see. I mean, it's going to be a heck of a travel for them, but, uh, uh, you know, getting a, a, another, two more pro teams in Canada I think is great. Uh, you know, they're going to markets where people want to see the sport, that are passionate about the sport in Winnipeg, and, of course, St. John's on Newfoundland. And uh, it's a great experience going out there. It's something uh, I, I couldn't even describe. Um, you know, uh, you're in Canada, but it still feels foreign to Canadians going out there. It's just a different uh Different uh, people and uh, great people and very passionate people about their 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 province of Newfoundland and uh, and their game in the game of hockey. I know we have not had a chance to, to kind of go through the ECHL schedule as the Cyclones released their 2011-2012 campaign schedule and uh, obviously there's always going to be as you look at a schedule changes things will move games could possibly get get uh, get moved from from one day to another but for the for the moment and for the sake of uh, of this podcast we will kind of break things down as they stand right now uh 2011 12 schedule it looks on the surface pretty nice travel wise yeah we've eliminated uh well not we've eliminated the schedule and came out we're we're not going to florida that's an unfortunate thing but uh um yeah we're not gonna be going down south um, as far we will be seeing gwinnett and south carolina and greenville a few more times but uh you know i think the schedule fits in nicely i mean getting chicago in the league is going to be a great trip for us a, a closer closer city and of course we'll have Toledo and Kalamazoo a bunch also but um, you know I, I, they, the league does the best they can with the with the, with the setup uh, again you like to see some teams out west but I think with economics and, and, and travel it makes it very difficult but uh, you know we get the new team the Chicago Express coming in and we'll see some of the old rivalries uh, uh, we'll be back here at U.S. Bank Arena throughout the season. It's going to be interesting too you look at the way it, it all shapes up the Cyclones will open their 
home slate on November the 5th. It's going to be a Saturday night that, that you will not want to miss. Tickets are on sale, at least when uh, it comes to season tickets. Uh, Single-game seats will be available uh, later on in the offseason. Details at CyclonesHockey.com for that. It's going to be an exciting beginning because kind of like last year, in a sense, not not quite as long, uh, actually a little bit longer now that I think about it, uh, you're, you play the first handful of games away. And I know it was your first season last year. It was my first season last year. And it was nice to be able to to get those few away games under your belt early to kind of rally the guys together. They were on the road. They kind of get to know each other a little bit before you get back to the homestead and focus on your home schedule, which has its own set of distractions. No, absolutely. It was great to get get started and, uh, you know, get a get a win. And we got a couple points on the road uh, to start the year. So, um, you know, I, I think it's important for the guys to get together. We'll get a couple exhibition games in before then. But, um, you know, it's just the way the schedule goes. It's, it's a decision a team makes here to – um, you know, get on the road a little bit first and get some more favorable dates for our fans, uh, more accessible to come to uh, some home games in November. So, uh, you know, the team does a great job and the league does a great job accommodating the Cyclones in, in, in certain things that they feel are the, are better dates for our fans to come out and support us. You made mention of the Chicago Express, one of the uh, couple of new teams that are in the ECHL. Of course, the Colorado Eagles vacating the CHL and now joining the Premier AA Hockey League. So without obviously having a chance to see Colorado, we will be seeing our very fair share of of the Chicago Express. In fact, 16 times throughout the course of the season, eight home and eight away between these two will very likely be division rivals, although nothing is official in that regard as of yet. Uh, talk a little bit about the ability to play, although a lot of games against this new team, a new team. It, it's been uh, kind of the same familiar faces. We talk about Toledo, Kazu, which we will see still quite a bit, but to then get into a new city, uh, a big city no less, although it's on the outskirts of Chicago, the uh, the northwest side, it's going to be nice at least for a while to, to see this new club, a new building, a new experience, a new road trip. No, absolutely. I think anytime you can add teams and see a different flavor, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful area up there where they play and uh, they've got their, their ownership and management and coaching staff have been in place. So they're, uh, they'll be ready to go. They're going to put together a very, very competitive team. So, uh, and again, our division is extremely tough. I mean, when you, you know, Kalamazoo going to finals and Toledo's always gives us a, uh, good games and uh, you know Chicago with the experience of their coaching staff is going to have a great uh, uh, you know very good solid hockey team so um, you know we just got to be prepared that's a big chunk of our season in, in, in with them and uh, you know those are the, the, the obviously you prepare yourself to win all games but especially these teams here the Kalamazoo Toledo and Chicago are very important game season thanks for being with us we'll talk to you soon thanks a lot that's Cyclones head coach Jared Scaldi I'm Nick Brunker and this is Puckopolis